Alright guys, welcome to episode 48 of the Fairly Lame Podcast. As always, my name is Dom and this is your home of good environmental news from all around the world. And before we get into today's topics, another reminder to head over to Instagram at fairlylame underscore to see all the graphics and all the visuals, I guess, that go along with all the stories we'll be having a look at today. And while you're over there, make sure to chuck on your notifications so you see each and every time I post a reel. But these are the stories we're having a look at today. Genetically modified, rapid growing super trees are currently being field tested in America to help combat climate change. How air filters with living moss panels are being used to improve air quality, cool the nearby area, and can even identify pollution hotspots. Roadside turbines are converting the wind generated by passing vehicles into green energy. How mossy earth is using something called green gravel to help restore golden kelp forests in Portugal. Drone videos of sharks peacefully coexisting with swimmers could completely change the way we go about preventing attacks. And finally, San Diego's frozen zoo is a biobank similar to the doomsday seed vault, but for the world's most endangered animals. And before we get into our first story, I need to let you guys know that for Ocean July calls is the Mako Shark. And as always, for every brace that's sold, 4Ocean will remove one pound of plastic from the sea, and your purchase will also help provide jobs for 4Ocean's full-time cleanup crews, as well as the Balinese artisans who make these incredible bracelets. And in case you missed it, they recently achieved an absolutely remarkable milestone, surpassing 30 million pounds of plastic removed from the ocean, which is absolutely incredible. If you guys want to learn more about their work and their efforts, all the links down below. And while you're over there, if you decide to pick anything up, make sure to use the code FAIRLYLAME or one word for 20% off store wide, but into our first story. Rapid growing super trees are currently being field tested in America to help combat climate change. The company called Living Carbon is currently developing genetically modified poplar trees that are faster growing and more resistant to decomposition. And the reason they're doing this is to speed up carbon capture and reduce the total number of trees that need to be planted by potentially storing more carbon per acre. In their lab trials, they found that the super trees grew 53% larger and captured 27% more carbon than non-modified trees over the first five months. But they don't have any evidence that the trees will end up being any larger than the normal ones. They just might reach this final size sooner. However, they'll be able to store carbon for longer as their wood is more resistant to decay. And the whole reason they're able to grow faster is that the scientists reduce the amount of energy that's wasted during their photosynthesis so more can be converted into biomass. Interestingly, the super trees only reproduce from cutting so they won't pollinate nearby non-modified poplar trees and just dominate the landscape. And they're not going to be introducing these into national forests or anything like that. Instead, they plan to plant them on degraded farmlands and old mine sites and only in regions where the species is naturally found. And regarding their business model, the team plans on giving away the trees for free or at cost and generating income from carbon credits which they'll split with the landowners. So now moving on from pioneering genetically modified trees into the fascinating realm of moss filters that are helping improve air quality. City trees utilise moss to improve air quality, cool the nearby area and even pinpoint pollution hotspots in urban environments. And so the system draws in warm polluted air and after passing through the living moss panels what's released is cooler and cleaner. These installations have already been installed worldwide from London to Hong Kong and just one of them can filter an impressive 5,000 cubic meters of air per hour. The company behind it, Green City Solutions, claims that in its immediate vicinity it can capture 53% of fine dust particles and lower the air temperature by 2.5 degrees Celsius. The high leaf density of the moss allows it to absorb a substantial amount of pollution and its transpiration is what cools the air. And by incorporating machine learning, the city tree is able to monitor and adjust the temperature, humidity and pollution levels to provide the ideal growing environment. And beyond its air quality benefits, smaller systems could be deployed in various neighbourhoods to map air pollution within a city. Though they may not precisely quantify pollution, by analysing the moss for different substances such as heavy metals, citizen scientists can identify hotspots that demand further investigation and action. The company also plans on developing moss panels with similar technology that could be installed as facades on apartment buildings near busy roads or in underground train stations. So having explored the innovative city tree and its impact on urban air quality, we're now going to have a look at another eco-friendly solution, roadside wind turbines. Roadside 
wide turbines harness the wind generated by passing vehicles to produce renewable electricity whilst helping light up our roads. The turbines can conveniently be installed onto existing streetlights or standalone systems and thanks to the high wind speeds generated by the passing cars and trucks they can be small in size yet still produce a solid amount of energy. And while they do have the potential to be installed in the centre of highways they prove to be more efficient when on the edges as there is less wind coming from the opposite direction to impede their performance. A promising example of their capabilities comes from a working prototype assessed along a 5.4 mile stretch of the M25 highway in London. So within this trial, just one turbine was found to produce nearly 6 kilowatt hours per day, and as there was space for 410 of them along this stretch, the annual energy production would reach nearly 900 megawatt hours, which could be used to power nearby streetlights or be sent back to the grid. This calculation takes into account the minimal vehicle activity overnight, but excludes the additional benefits from prevailing winds, so the actual number could be even higher. And these turbines are also equipped with built-in sensors for real-time monitoring of air pollution levels. With the idea that the data could be used to identify and map spatial variations of air quality throughout the day to enhance our understanding of pollution patterns. And so for our next story, we're kind of moving away from sustainability, but to be fair, the ecosystem we are looking at is actually one of the most important when it comes to fighting climate change. Mossy Earth are dropping green gravel in the ocean to help restore golden kelp forests. Coastal ecosystems have the remarkable ability to sequester up to 20 times more carbon per hectare than terrestrial forests and among these vital ecosystems are kelp forests. Kelp alone is predicted to lock up 5 million tonnes of carbon per year and when including the economic benefits to commercial fishing, kelp forests hold an estimated value of around $500 billion. But despite their significance, many of these ecosystems around the world are vanishing. And this is due to things like bottom trawling which devastates the seabed, changing ocean temperatures as a result of climate change and the overabundance of animals like sea urchins which just eat it all. So to help bring back these incredible underwater forests, in 2020 Mossy Earth started working on a prototype type kelp factory to produce something called green gravel. And to make the gravel, scientists collect the spores of wild kelp, nurture them in a lab, and upon development, spray them onto rocks held in specifically designed tanks that replicate the conditions of the reefs. The technique is scalable, cost-effective, and quicker than alternative methods as it eliminates the need for scuba divers to transplant the kelp as the rocks can be effortlessly dropped from a moving boat. And Mossy have already seen some great success with substantial strands of kelp now visible and starting to move from the gravel and onto the main reef structure. The underlying causes that led to the collapse of the ecosystem definitely still need to be addressed for the program to be worthwhile but whilst that work happens the team plans on deploying more and more green gravel with the expectation of hitting a tipping point where there'll finally be enough mature kelp to become self-sustaining as we were saying in the water for our next story where we're looking at how a new perspective of sharks enabled by drones is completely changing the way we look at them drone videos showcasing the close proximity of sharks to humans are becoming increasingly prevalent potentially serving as a powerful tool to dismantle ineffective yet harmful shark nets an australian report revealed that 90% of the animals caught in these nets were not the target species at all, but the presence of these trapped animals may actually be attracting sharks to the area. And the other thing about these nets is that they don't cover the entire beach, so sharks can easily swim around, over or under them. And according to the Humane Society International, 40% of the sharks that are actually caught in the nets are on the wrong side of them, showing that a significant proportion can still get close to swimmers but are trapped when they're trying to return to sea. And so these videos may help shift people's perceptions of sharks and prompt the consideration of whether the impact that these nets have on other marine life is justifiable. A great example of how content creators can help is the work of Scott Fairchild over in California where he says he can pretty easily find a great white shark in just one or two minutes. He believes his footage of the creatures peacefully coexisting with swimmers and surfers is an extremely important and effective tool for dispelling a lot of the myths around sharks. Scott's captured literally hundreds of hours of footage including heaps of encounters and said the truth is that sharks are definitely not out hunting humans. 99.99% of sharks just leave us alone. Buds do occur every now and then but based on the vast number 
number of encounters or potential encounters, the rarity of such events just shows sharks don't see us as prey. And now onto our last story of this week's episode of the Fairly Lame Podcast. And another reminder to DM me over on Instagram at fairlylame underscore any good environmental news that you come across or any innovations that you think I should include in next week's episode. San Diego's frozen zoo is like the doomsday seed vault, but for animals. The frozen zoo started back in 1975 and is currently the largest repository of living animal cells, holding samples of over 10,000 animals encompassing 1,000 different species. Scientists can add a species to the collection by simply taking a tissue sample from an individual, treating it and preserving it in liquid nitrogen at minus 250 degrees to effectively halt its aging. And when needed, the vials can be thawed and within just 20 minutes, the tissue is right back to its normal state. And the whole reason for this is to conduct something known as genetic rescue to return a species to full genetic health. The samples in the biobank can be used to produce healthy offspring by transforming the stem cells from a deceased bloodline into both eggs and sperm. These could then be used to create a viable embryo and restore the genetic diversity of a species on the brink of extinction, such as the western lowland gorilla or northern white rhino. This technology might not be practical for things like dodos due to their long absence from the environment, but it could be amazing for animals more recently lost from their ecosystems or ones teetering on the edge. As zoos become more conservation-oriented, biobanks like the frozen zoo are expected to become a core part of their mission, either by establishing their own or contributing to a larger one, similar to the idea of the doomsday seed vault. But San Diego Zoo do point out that this is just a plan B. We still need to protect the environment and conserve their habitat so we actually have somewhere to return them to. So that will do us for episode 48 of the Fairly Lame Podcast. Hopefully you guys enjoyed. As always, let me know your thoughts down below if you're watching on YouTube or over in the DMs on Instagram. And yeah, let me know if you come across any good news or innovations that I should include in episode 49. But yeah, have an incredible rest of the day. Go into the dim, whatever the hell you're doing. We'll see you guys next week. Cheers.